Oh, hi, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I cannot share my excitement enough. We have incredible panelists, uh, industry leaders from both sides, technology providers and consumers, so, um, so that we can um, look at the blockchain from multiple angles. Um, and uh, dear panelists also, um, I cannot thank you enough for finding time um, on Friday to share your experience, your stories and your vision with NTAP students. Um, so yes, let's start right away and um, move on to the uh, company presentations. Marjorie, if you can start, that would be great. Of course. Let me see. Thank you. Yeah, everything is up. Hi, everyone. My name is Marjorie Hernandez. I'm the co-founder of Luxo. Luxo is a blockchain protocol built um, with the creative economies in mind, basically to enable adoption of blockchain technologies within a new set of industries outside of the decentralized finance world. Um, all of our initial use cases and implementations are heavily focused on the fashion industry. That's been kind of like a natural evolution of things in our end. Um, and yeah, and basically we are a tech company. We are developing standards and applications uh, catering for the creative industries. Um, we are supported by a magnificent a group of advisors and we're based out of Berlin and basically you know our my personal ethos and also part of Luxus ethos is to make blockchain technology accessible and invisible for people to use and enjoy the benefits. Thanks a lot Marjorie. Um, Sarah please um, tell us more about Everledger. Yeah, sure, of course. Firstly, thanks so much for inviting us to be here today. I'm really excited for this discussion. So I'm part of Everledger and we are a technology platform for supply chain traceability. So we integrate with stakeholders along the supply chain to capture information about assets, their characteristics, their sustainable ethical practices, their certifications and other information that is valuable to stakeholders in the supply chain. And we help to share this information across complex supply chains to particular participants and also enable brands and retailers to share this information with their consumers in an easy to digest and as uh, Marjorie is saying, kind of making it as easy and seamless as possible for consumers to engage more with brands and also with the stories of the items that they buy. And so we started off in 2015 in the diamond industry, which I'm, of course you're all aware has known for having problems around ethical, sustainable practices, child labor. And so being able to help brands have more insight upstream into their, their supply chains. And since then have moved across other um, supply chain industries, including fashion, luxury apparel, but also wines and spirits, and more recently looking towards the future of supply chains and how we can help to build circular supply chains in these industries and then also in other industries such as electric vehicles, materials, plastics, and the like. Julia, you're on mute. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yes, uh, Vanessa, could you please uh, um, tell us more about uh, Consensus? Sure. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Vanessa Grillet. Um, I've been working at Consensus for four years now, where I lead some of our initiatives around retail and luxury. 
um, and consumer experience. Um, Consensus is one of the largest blockchain companies in the world, I would say. Uh, we focused uh, on Ethereum and help companies uh, come up with solution uh, that are based on blockchain to enhance their business uh, practices, uh, but also specifically in the, in the world of retail, uh, looking to issues like sustainability, um, the relationship with the consumer, the relationship with the redistributors, and uh, we also have some projects related to things like loyalty points. So we try to help the existing um, industry uh, really enhance their, uh, their products and their experience. Vanessa, thank you so much. Um, Gilles, uh, good morning. Uh, could you please tell us more about Wallet? Hi, so, so I'm Gilles. I'm founder uh, and CEO of Wallet. So we are a, a tech company um, working on the data uh, trust uh, space. So we are completely horizontal and we actually help company uh, to, to make links between their uh, sensitive or important data and the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, so basically we are creating proofs of existence and proof of signature of any kind of data. And uh, actually we're working with many uh, industries uh, as a technical primitive and a bridge to the Bitcoin blockchain. So in the luxury space, we, we work with a lot of brands uh, the first use case was uh, protecting their intellectual property uh, because it's, it's really simple to make a Bitcoin proof and, and, and prove that the anteriority of, of, uh, of drawings or, or photographs, etc. And then we also work in the, in the retail space uh, by, um, by protecting and securing uh, certificates of warranties for, for several brands. We've been doing this since uh, 2016. We created the company in 2016. And now, uh, and now we have many clients in many uh, industries. So, um, so yes, that's it. We are working in the digital trust space and there are many use cases uh, for the, the fashion and the luxury industry. Thank you very much. Um, Stephanie and Philippe, if you could um, tell us how blockchain is helping um, the secondhand uh, brands, that would be, that would be great. Um, yes, yeah, so, so Reflant basically is connecting uh, the brand's ecosystem with the, the secondhand market. Um, so we basically empower brands to, through our technology to capture uh, that secondhand market uh, opportunity and to build um, and to shift towards a, a circular economy model. Uh, Net, we drive basically their top line through retention, loyalty, and, uh, and bringing back their customers uh, to, to their, their brand ecosystem while reducing basically their sustainability footprint. Um, by doing that and by integrating uh, with basically the brand and the secondhand market, uh, we and, and connecting basically both worlds. We're also bringing uh, traceability uh, to the products that are pushed on the secondary markets. Um, and we basically uh, digitize and tokenize all these items uh, that are 
put on sale on the secondary market. As you know, uh, counterfeits is one of the biggest issue of the secondhand markets. Um, and giving traceability back to these items uh, and being able to certify that the customer that is selling a certain item is an actual customer who bought that specific item um, has a huge uh, level of, of, uh, of trust and, and, and guarantee. So once um, customers are, uh, want to put back on sale an item they've purchased with a specific brand or retailer, they can come back to uh, their account with that brand or that retailer and they have the list of all their past purchases. Next to all these past purchases, they have that resell button, that refund button. And once they click that refund button, um, we bundle up all the information related to that product. So, uh, of course, information uh, that is such as the size, the material, uh, the model of the item, but also uh, information related to uh, the invoice and the customer that purchased that uh, specific piece. And we create and emit a certificate around that item that will then follow kind of the journey of the product uh, till it reaches uh, the secondhand market and is sold again uh, within uh, the secondhand uh, market. Fida, I don't know if you want to add on top of what I've just explained. Okay, I was in sorry. Uh, our certificate allows us also to plug and to make reference to other certificates. If um, any of the brand we are working with are already working with one, one uh, specific protocol or one specific blockchain provider, we can make a reference uh, to their uh, token that already created and linked to their products into our own protocol to increase the trust and the trustability of the ad. Stephanie and Felipe, thank you so much. Um, and could you please tell us how blockchain um, is helping LVMH? Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Anne Pizet. Um I'm working uh, for the innovation department at Louis Vuitton, uh, and I'm especially in charge of the blockchain project. Uh, we embraced this technology two years ago now, um, and we started listing all the different challenges um, the luxury industry was facing and thinking how the blockchain could um, help uh, to consider new solutions and tools uh, enhancing the, the essence of luxury. So that, that's how we decided to, to build a, a blockchain for luxury, for Louis Vuitton on one hand and for all the luxury brands that want, uh, wanted to join us. So the idea was to create a, a consortium uh, of brands uh, with several brands, maximum of brands uh, actually, because the more we are, the more powerful uh, we are. And um, we developed uh, the Aura blockchain with consensus uh, with Vanessa uh, and, uh, and also Microsoft for the architecture part. Uh, and it's really the idea of this blockchain is the platform by brands for brands um, 
and the the concept is a collective one. So uh, it's the concept of the competition, cooperation in competition. So we each brand uh, is of course uh, independent. Uh, they can build their smart contract um, independently. Uh, and no data is uh, available or visible for other members of the consortium. But the idea was to create, uh, to propose a standard for uh, the industry and a reference of trust for our clients. Wonderful, thank you so much. And, and Timothy, similar question. Could you please tell us how blockchain is helping CAFTA? Sure, um, I obviously can't go into uh, a lot of details, but uh, hello everyone. Bonjour uh, à tous and good morning, good evening and afternoon, depending on where you are. Uh, I wanted to say that um, at, I'm responsible for innovation at CAFTA and at CAFTA uh, we have piloted three different uh, use cases. Uh, and I'm also uh, co-author of a strategy paper for the Richmond Group in the adoption of the technology. Uh, it's both B2B and B2C use cases. Uh, I guess there will be time to do deep dives and we can, I can share a little bit more, uh, but definitely we see a lot of uh, uh, potential in uh, applying blockchain, but, but maybe not at a standalone, uh, as a standalone technology, but more integrated with other technologies, um, you know, whether it's upstream traceability, uh, supply chain, or downstream, uh, we see uh, it being a one of the technologies that are going to really enhance uh, the value to our customers as well as protecting the, the brands uh, from things like counterfeiting. And, uh, but, but maybe just uh, one, one more thing. I, I want to commend Julia for selecting this panel because uh, I participated in many of these and uh, the diversity you've chose, you know, from the suppliers to technology company to secondhand marketplace to the brands, it's impressive. It's really good quality. So I hope the participants you guys would enjoy. There are 70 of us. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to a very good panel. And uh, especially uh, Vanessa on the panel woke up, this is 6 a.m. in New York. So you guys better pay attention and listen. <laughs> Timothy, thank you so much. I've been planning this for, for quite some time and I am extremely excited to, to hear from you, your stories and your experience as I mentioned, it means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's start with the panel um, and let's start with the, um, the broad question of what blockchain really is. Um, when I was talking to students that I want to organize a panel and this is about blockchain and fashion, people said, okay, what do they have in common? And another, another question was, I had a conversation with my coworkers for 30 minutes. I did not understand what blockchain is at all. So if you could um, tell us in simple terms, um, but just would that be great? And I would ask Marjorie to, to start. Yes, um, perfect. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's always the question of what really the blockchain is. And I guess the question is being raised because it's so intangible, right? It's not like the internet or a car that we can really use and get in touch with. Still, the blockchain is pretty inaccessible for everyone. 
but at the same time people have like this hear this news about this crazy stuff happening and people making billions of dollars so it created a lot of curiosity around what it really is right um and i always tell my team and the people we work with that you know there's a limit to what we really need to know about how the blockchain really works and what we really need to be aware is of how we benefit from it um the best way to explain it you know is nothing more but a decentralized database for all of us who are old enough to remember BitTorrent um, and downloading movies illegally from the internet, you know, it worked because it was a peer-to-peer -peer network. Um, and it was so difficult to turn off because it was so resilient because it was run by every participant, every computer in the network. So it works very similarly like BitTorrent, but then on top you have this beauty of cryptography securing all of the transactions and creating these incentive mechanisms. So every participant is benefiting, right? So I think the thing that we can learn from blockchain pretty much is how you can create a system that is run by people's selfish intents, but it creates a win-win situation for everybody taking part. So that's how it's been um, run, basically. So it's like, I always say to my friends, like, yeah, it's like a bit torrent with a sprinkle of awesome cryptography on top that makes it extremely secure. But the beautiful thing and the most important thing that we need to understand is the ability of creating digital uniqueness. That is something that we couldn't do before, right? In the past, if I had a picture, I can send you, Julia, the picture, and I can send it to Stephanie, and I can send a picture to anyone, right? Um, and there's nothing stopping me. And that's the beauty of digitalization, that you can do that. But if I want to attach value to that picture, I want to make the picture represent my artistic value or whatever, how I make sure that that, that dollar or those thousand dollars worth of the picture that I sent to you is not the same ones that I sent to Stephanie. So that's something that the blockchain enables to create the digital uniqueness that allows to actually transact value or to represent value in our transactions. Um, and this is very groundbreaking, it's very basic, I think, you know, in a few years, it will be a no-brainer that this is possible. And most people won't understand there was a time we couldn't do that. Um, but the ability of creating uniqueness is, is, is fundamental, right? And that allows us, like Stephanie was saying, when you can create identities for a physical good and attach it to a digital identity, you're kind of like transferring those properties of the physical world to this digital asset, right? And we basically have the ability to transform anything into an asset. So it is a beautiful Cartier wash or an amazing handbag or any of these products, you know, that they live in the physical world and they have a physical value. Also the immaterial value, the historical value, the brand value, all of these things can be captured into a digital identity that it will be res resilient and staying there forever, right? So that opens the door. And I think this is the stuff that we will unfold during the conversation it's about how these identities kind of unfold a whole new set of possibilities when it comes to like interacting with your customer, making your supply chain more transparent, you know, all of these things, things like circularity models, like Stephanie was mentioning and so on. But the most important thing is that blockchain technology in general allow us to have digital uniqueness in assets. And when we're talking about blockchain technologies based on Ethereum, you know, it means that we can now have smart contracts that allow us to build any kind of business logic into the blockchain, right? Um, so that's a pretty powerful transformation. I think um, 
the most important thing, you know, the technology is super powerful. We all know that people talk about everything is going to change thanks to the blockchain. But at the end of the day, it comes about building just better products. And I think that's what we all come in, you know, from all different paths of lives and, you know, expertise to create really more powerful products that are just superior to the current solutions we have now and basically make the argument of why we should adopt blockchain technology now, right? It's just because we can have all of those just better products. Um, that's the part that personally really excites me is about start building, you know, the products that just really change the way we understand the web right now. I think, you know, 50 years ago, if you describe the web to anyone or to anyone great grandmother, they will be very confused about why there's so much value in these products. And I think blockchain still has a bit of that. A lot of people don't understand what is the value of Bitcoin or what is the value of Ether. But regardless of the crypto economics, um, the, the technology is extremely powerful, right? And I think the less we talk about crypto assets and the less we talk about the blockchain means um, that it's being adopted, basically, and that we are succeeding, I guess. May I, uh, sorry, I, I, you know, actually I wasn't planning, I wasn't on the agenda to talk about this, but I, I just, I'm very conscious of the audience being that you are MBA students and, and uh, members of the luxury, uh, of the luxury club. Uh, it, it, and I'm not a very technical guy, so maybe I can translate what, a little bit of what is said. I completely agree with what Majority said, but maybe I can put it in a more of a layman terms with no, if you don't know what a smart contract or any of that is, what, what it's being said really, I think it's very powerful. It's, it's uh, maybe we can understand this, um, you know, in, in the evolution of, um, of, of um, internet. Right. If you think about, uh, I think, you know, this is what uh, Majori was, was referring. If you think about internet, right, it allows two entity to, to, to exchange data. Um, data could be video, text, GPS, location, your, your friends, uh, list on Facebook, uh, credit info, uh, credit card information, etc. cetera. Um, uh, blockchain works in a lot of ways like that. Um, take the case of, in the case of internet, take Uber, you have two entity, Uber being one, and the, the person um, who uh, ordered a taxi, let's say me, I ordered on my, on my uh, app a taxi with, which has information of my GPS, my credit card information. And that's exchange with Uber, the other in entity, and then exchange with the driver, then come and pick me up and take me to that location. Blockchain works in a very similar way where you have two entities. They're exchanging not data, in this case, they're exchanging value. Blockchain enables physical objects to have a digitalized value that can be easily exchanged on these platforms that is Ethereum, Bitcoin blockchain, uh, Hyperledger, whatever that platform is. So don't, don't be confused by those terms. It's just a, the name of the platform. What they enable is exchange of digital of value in a digital way. So, but what is value today, right? So value divides from things that are valuable to us. It could be currency or gold. So store of value, which is talked a lot about for Bitcoin, but it could be your, um, 
It could be your personal data, your IP, like uh, Jill explained, IP of the drawings. Um, here you have entities exchanging value through blockchain in a very seamless way. And I expect, uh, and we believe that it, it, at Cartier and also in our group, that there is exponential growth potential in this space where people can freely exchange value through this platform. Um, and then of course, there's all these other use case that it's currently happening in our industry, but we cannot really fathom the potential today, to be honest. Just like 20 years ago, we don't know, we would never imagine Airbnb or Uber, right? So I think for you future leaders of the industry or future leaders entering the workforce, I would really encourage you really, you know, to really think where else can we take this technology? Um, that would be my take on what is blockchain. And uh, if I may, I wanted also to, to um, add to what was said, um, just from a pure technical perspective, um, and we don't need to get into the details, but I'd, I'd like to, to conceptualize as a business leader, what the implications are for large companies. So currently, um, think of a, a blockchain as a group of databases that collects and validates the information at the same time and that has the exact same information. Currently, uh, the information within a company is usually siloed in various databases, whether it's client databases or finance databases, and sometimes they don't align. When you have groups working together, for sure the, the databases and the information don't align. And so when you're on a blockchain, you're able to validate the same information in different databases at the same time without having anyone uh, to control the information or manipulate the information. And that's really the innovation about this. It's what we call decentralized as opposed, as opposed to centralized. It means that there is no intermediary that is there to validate and create trust among you know, the different databases to say that the, the information is correct and everything is automated. It's also cryptographically secure. It means it uses something we call private and public keys to, um, to represent the information in a way that uh, people cannot access if they don't have the keys. And that's really important. We'll see in the, in the context of consortias. And lastly, it has a fourth uh, component, which is uh, what Marjorie referred to as smart contracts. It means that in the software that is blockchain, and it's just a software, uh, you can integrate business logics and automate a lot of the functions um, that are either in your supply chain or other uh, processes. And therefore, um, you know, if a pay for example, if a payment has been made, then the good is delivered. And that is automatically embedded in the software of the supply chain. So uh, it is a real innovation and the breakthrough was Bitcoin uh, that solved for something what we call the double spend issue is that for example, you're in a bank account and your bank account says you have a hundred and you pay X a uh, hundred and then you pay Y a hundred. 
but the person who's verifying your bank account still sees 100 and is going to pay the two people. With the blockchain technology, that's not possible because everything is um, sort of coordinated real time with shared information. Um, so when you think about blockchain um, from a business perspective, and you don't need to know the details of the technology, uh, think of it as uh, a tool uh, that will enhance your business practice and allow for innovation. This is wonderful, Vanessa. Thank you so much for, for um, sharing your view. Um, I will move on to the next question. And um, so, sorry, that would be great if you could tell us more about um, the major players um, and probably tell us more about the difference between like, developers and providers and the different layers that exist there. Yeah, yeah. I think when you're thinking of the major players, I kind of break it down into three different areas. You have the the technology, the blockchain technology providers that is, as mentioned, whether it's Ethereum, Bitcoin, R3, Hyperledger, you have that and that sits as the underpinning blockchain technology. Then you have blockchain technology service providers, which is companies such as ourselves, as Everledger, I think I would, I would presume some of the other companies on this call are the effectively service providers. So they are building an application layer on top of blockchain to be able to utilize what we've just discussed as, as the various advantages that blockchain can bring and to surface them into the real world, if you like. Then you have the third layer, which is the brands and the supply chain stakeholders that then work with the service providers to be able to use the, uh, the technology to its, uh, to its advantage. And so I think it's, it's useful to, to realize that you're kind of, there's the blockchain itself is, is a couple of different, uh, different things, depending exactly who you are. Thank you so much. And um, I would also ask Jill, could you please comment uh, on this question as well? I'm very curious to, um, to hear from you. Okay, so, so on, the, on the major actors, uh, there's a, a lot of diversity in, in the ecosystem. And, and I would like to, to come back to the, the what blockchain really is question, because it's actually a, a very tough question to answer and, and not really for the reasons, reasons uh, people think. Um, I ask it to myself frequently, I still have troubles to answer it correctly. So um, a current misconception is that blockchain is a, a technology and, uh, and more precisely the technology that underpins Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Uh, to my mind, this is not true. Uh, this is not true at all. Uh, the, the, the word blockchain itself appeared after Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So uh, the, the best possible definition I can give about, about blockchain today is, is that is a movement created by 2015, perhaps, and we group in many different technologies and products looking like Bitcoin, more or less, uh, but blockchain can regroup many different things with completely different approaches and concepts. So all in all, uh, when you talk about blockchain, you can, you can be sure you're talking about some cryptography, distributed networks, game theory, 
but explaining it would necessitate hours, many hours. So I don't want to go this way. So, so, so now um, you can understand why I still have troubles defining the blockchain <laughs> world actually, and why I actually don't like this world at at all. Uh, I actually don't like it because it implies a lot of, of wrong assumptions and confuse uh, people's minds. So, so it's not uh, uh, it's it's normal that people cannot understand it right away because there's a lot of different things in the in the blockchain concept. Um, I I I also believe that blockchain only. Um, Blockchain only uh, is not a solution. Uh, blockchain needs to, like uh, Timothy just said before, uh, blockchain needs to enhance existing application and uh, bring security, bring trust, uh, and is a new tool to enhance what we already have. So uh, I view it as a, as a tool, uh, enhancing our, our global digital experience and uh, bringing trusts uh, in places where we thought it was not possible. So concerning the, 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 the players, uh, again, it's a very diverse environment and you have many kinds of actors. So those acting in the financial space being the most powerful, because uh, today the, the, the main use case of blockchain are, are, are financial, but uh, and on the other end, you have all the enterprise blockchain space with some big names like uh, IBM or Microsoft, uh, and uh, the new actors like uh, all uh, like us today, um, uh, working either on the technological uh, side, uh, which is quite horizontal, like Wooly, but also in verticals like like Luxo or, uh, and or others. So again, it's very important to understand that the ecosystem is still very new. And uh, many different approaches are taken by, by its members. And we don't actually uh, know yet uh, what will be the main, uh, the main um, use of this technology uh, because uh, it's, it's still very new. So, so yeah, um, we, uh, if we compare to the internet, for example, um, in the beginning of the internet, you, you had many, many protocols, many approaches, and, uh, and also many actors. But uh, with years, uh, we have a specialization and, uh, and actors at every level and, and different protocols emerging in, uh, in layers. And, uh, and uh, today we have uh, Airbnb, Facebook and everything but it was a, a, a long process. So if we compare to the internet era, maybe uh, 2020 is like uh, 1994 or something. So, so there's a lot of, of things to, to do right now. It's still the beginning. And uh, maybe actors uh, taking this subject uh, uh, in account right now will maybe have uh, some uh, competitive advantage uh, against others that, that don't actually. Yeah. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I will move on to uh, the one of the most important questions now um, is, and the question is um, what issues actually blockchain uh, solves for the luxury companies? And Vanessa, if you could answer the question, that'd be great. 
Um, could you could you change the? Do you want me to answer the same question? Um, no, no. The, the question is what uh, what uh, issues does the technology solve for um, for luxury brands? Sure. Um, so I think luxury brands are facing uh, a lot of uh, really key trends um, that blockchain can help with. Um, so these key trends are, you know, uh, digitization uh, of the entire industry um, that, you know, we see or, you know, I'll let the brands uh, opine on this, on, on the impact of COVID, but um, it's a generational trend. Um, you know, people are going 100% digital. Um, the second uh, key trend is the rise of sustainability and the request uh, from consumers that um, they have access to, to sustainable uh, goods that are, um, you know, manufactured in conditions uh, that respect the environment and the workers. Um, <clears throat> the third trend is the rise of the resale, um, which is exponential uh, right now. Um, and the, the fourth trend is this hyper-personalization and um, direct-to-consumer um, relationship um, that you want to create. And um, uh, blockchain allows to not solve for every, every key trend, but allows to create use cases around it. Um, so for example, on the sustainability side, um, the entire um, uh, management of the supply chain and uh, the knowledge that uh, the information regarding uh, the manufacturing of the goods is accurate and can be verified through blockchain plus other technologies like IoT, et cetera, is, is really key. Um, the direct to consumers, to consumers is really about how luxury brands are able to create this luxury experience with their consumers. And the fact that um, consumers have access to information, have access to um, uh, post-sale uh, services that can be powered by blockchain um, because the good is identified in the supply chain and um, the customer has a digital certificate, uh, is something very powerful. Um, so those are just a few examples of how uh, blockchain can help in, in luxury goods use cases. We've seen the development also um, a lot of um, loyalty points programs or um, I know some luxury brands don't, don't use um, loyalty points, but um, similar programs that uh, provide clients with unique experiences and access to the brands. Thank you very much, Vanessa. And um, I would ask the same question, uh, Anne, if you could elaborate uh, on how, which issues, sure. which, which issues does blockchain solve for luxury companies? Uh, the same question or how we choose the blockchain? <laughs> no, uh, it would be, uh, I'm curious to, um, to, to um, hear from you. What do you think a blockchain is, um, how blockchain is helping LVMH? Yeah, like okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, sure. So, 
um, I think we are living for several years uh, in a new uh, ecosystem of value um, linked to the combination of new technology on one hand and new behavior on the other hand. And uh, this, um, there are two values very significant in this new ecosystem and there, are, uh, there is the decentralization first uh, that uh, Vanessa talked about uh, just before. The, question, uh, the questioning of the central authority is more, it's very important and also the transversality. So there is a different way of working based on trust instead of a hierarchical system. And I think in this con context, new context, um, the main questions that um, our clients are asking uh, are related to sustainability. How do we use raw materials? How do you, we source raw materials uh, to ethics also? Uh, was the product made in a country where there is children work or very in a very social point of view. Um, also, authenticity is the real product from the brand or is, is it a counterfeit? Um, but we, we also have question about the copy of creation from our designers, uh, why there is a counterfeit and to the life product cycle also. Uh, so will I buy a new or a second-hand product? The, this is a big question uh, that we are facing now. Um, so just as internet was a big disruption, yes, uh, the, the blockchain is also a source of destruction, destruction uh, sorry, um, but also an advantage for uh, for the client, it, it brings the, the main advantage of the blockchain. It, it, it brings an element of trust in the client relationship. And that's why we wanted to embrace this technology uh, at LVMH level and uh, and to, to answer to all those questions from our client. We want to build a trusted relationship with, with our client and with all luxury clients. And we think blockchain is the good, uh, the good way to do it. <laughs> Very much. Um, my next question is for Timothy. Um, and uh, if you could, uh, Timothy, if you could tell us um, how do luxury brands um, choose the blockchain provider? What is important? Um, and what is, I guess, the roadmap uh, in terms of choosing the, the, the solution that would work for, for your company? Sure. Um, I actually don't thing that is the right angle we don't it's not choosing of a provider first of all the brand has to identify what issue what pain points uh, the brand wants to solve and then it's actually about choosing the solution uh, the provider comes with the solution but there are different platforms and uh, for me the more important part is the solution itself uh, and then you access uh, which provider meets those those criteria for your solution that you want to, for the problem that you want to solve. So roughly speaking, I think I can think of five. 
depending on the use case, of course, but in general, uh, the biggest concern, of course, for any blockchain platform is um, security and data privacy. Uh, it's also why we think of blockchain uh, as, a, as, as a solution because it, added, it creates added level of security. Uh, the other one would be versatility, uh, both uh, so that both upstream and downstream use cases uh, can be, uh, you know, uh, can be a platform that solves both issues because in luxury brands, it's not always just about um, downstream counterfeit, you know, uh, certification of products. It's also uh, upstream on traceability of your supply chain, as some of you already mentioned. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you have specific use case that is really just downstream to follow the traceability of your watch in the secondhand market, it's a different uh, topic. Um, and then I think the third one is usability. Uh, one of the one of the question uh, I think uh, that was asked was um, you know quantum computing uh, in the in the in the question uh, in relation to slowing down uh, decreasing the security advantage and the speed of transaction. For us, speed is not the most important thing because most platform that you see for volume for luxury goods. We are not, in my industry anyway, uh, we are not supermarkets. We don't sell as many quantities. Uh, and each our price point are so high that, you know, if we say to sell, sell the same quantity, then, you know, we will be very happy. But uh, until that happens, we don't really worry so much about speed, even though it is important. But more importantly, it is the ease. Uh, when I say usability, is the ease of integration to our ERP and maybe some of the kind communication APIs uh, that, and also important that it is available worldwide as um, our brand is a global brand. Uh, the stability and usability of that is very important. Um, and then I think the fourth criteria uh, that we looked at is um, it's sort of under the term of sustainability, but not in that CSR sense, it's more on the long-term viability um, and a lot of it, we will look at the governance, the tech roadmap of the, the, the solution or the technology provider. Um, one of the thing about hot luxury industry that uh, jewelry and watches is that uh, we have a very long history. Uh, a lot of our product are, are very, uh, we sold in auction. So for us, uh, the longevity, uh, it's very important. If we choose to blockchain our IP, this IP will need to be still valid. That blockchain still need to be around 50, 100 years later on, from now on. Uh, we have constantly defend in Christie's auctions and whatnot. When people claim a piece is Cartier, we would dig out the physical paper archive to say that this is actually not Cartier, it looks like it. Um, we would need that same ability, the longevity, sustainability of this technology, um, of the solution to exist in 50 years, 100 years time. Um, and then the lastly, it's actually a very important but an, an ongoing uh, evolving criteria is about interoperability. Because let's give the example of um, supply chain traceability. 
there are many platforms, many solutions. Uh, and uh, from our friend at uh, Everledger, it's one. Uh, then in the diamond traceability space, you have Everledger, uh, sorry, you have Tracer, which, D, which is a DBS in initiative. There are different blockchain platforms. And when you are at the downstream as a retailer that do not polish or cut diamonds, that you rely on your supply chain, and there are many different solutions out there, it's important to us that these, uh, the data on this blockchain can one day be uh, talking to each other in a layman's term. Uh, it's actually the, the different tokens that host those assets can somehow uh, be transferred successfully and smoothly. Those are some of the things that we look at in terms of the architecture of the entire uh, blockchain solutions. And of course, when it comes to individual use cases, we will not apply all five, but those fives are the key one that we would think of in terms of a blockchain architecture. Thank you so much, Timothy. Um, so I saw Jules, you were nodding. Uh, do you think you can, you want to share your point of view on the question? Yeah, um, uh, I was nodding on the on the um, you know the resilience and uh, and the fact that uh, when you use blockchain, you you want uh, longevity and and uh, and um, use this protection uh, far in the future. So it, the importance to 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 choose the right technology uh, for the right job. Um, so uh so i would ha i would like to add for the for the for the previous question that that the first thing to do is is uh is maybe understand uh what the tech can bring before engaging any project uh as i said before it's a very complex uh subject and uh and a real uh, mature blockchain use case are quite rare today and uh, precipitation is, is definitely not the, the way to go. So maybe the first step is, is education and uh, understand well and uh, uh, understand well what what blockchain can bring before engaging any any project. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and um, and I would uh, I'm very curious also to hear when LVMH was approaching the same guess, task how. How did you decide a, uh, a blockchain provider? What was the process? Uh, yes, actually, as I told you, we we didn't choose any existing blockchain because we decided to to build our, our own blockchain. Um, we wanted really to fit with the luxury needs and um, and also um, we wanted to to build something without any intermediary. But that was really important for us uh, to respect this kind of philosophy of the blockchain uh, technology, no intermediary uh, and a very decentralized uh, system. Um, so that's why we, we decided to build uh, our own blockchain. Um, and um, and uh, what can I say else? <laughs> So we and and, and we, we decided to partner with consensus. 
Sorry, Timothy? So they are serial providers. You still have consensus in Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what I wanted to add. And we decided to work with uh, with hand-to-hand -end with consensus who developed the, uh, the, the blockchain developers because it's the for us the, the, the main uh, and the major partner that we can have and the, the best and also Microsoft for the for the architectural part because uh, uh, again it's uh, one of the, the best partner that we can have uh, for this kind of project so yes of course we have technical partners <laughs> for sure and they are they are part of the consortium so it's really important. They are part of the decision of the governance, uh, of, uh, all of that. Thank you so much. Um, my next question would be about customers. Um, when, when I was thinking about the agenda, I, was, um, I wanted to understand when does the customer come in and does the customer even know that blockchain is there uh, or it, how it is being used by companies to, I guess, market um, the technology. Uh, so if... Um, Marjorie, if you could elaborate and tell us how does what is the customer interaction with the technology? Sure. I mean, I think and I be, we strongly believe this that at the end, you know, for the consumer, it should only be about having great access, great products, great service, right? Independently of what is the technology behind it. So, you know, there is to say about technologies either beautiful or invisible. So I think in this case, it really needs to be invisible in the sense that the consumer shouldn't really necessarily know that they're interacting with the, with the blockchain, you know, and then there are different layers of like security um, for interacting with like Web3 and things like that. I think we strongly believe also, you know, that the blockchain, like the Web3 interaction should be way easier. It could be way easier than what we are used to now with all of these passwords and usernames that we have across different platforms and it can get very challenging. So we think in that sense could be done in easier ways for users. Um, but besides that, I think it should be pretty much invisible, right? It might come a point where, uh, you know, logging and passwords will be obsolete because we have our on-chain identities in which we create access for certain services and platform in any given time. And I think that might be the biggest change users will see. Um, I'm actually looking forward to it. I use a password manager because it's really challenging with all of the passwords we've got today. So I think that will be like the biggest one from the user perspective, right? And also, you know, I think also if you think about kind of like this trading uh, vocabulary that it became part of like the blockchain lexicon, right? Everybody, all of a sudden people knew about long positions and short positions and trading and people have trading accounts, you know, something that most people was not doing before. So I think now with the digitalization of assets, we will have more people being familiarized with the type of language and start talking about, you know, I have my amazing Cartier watches in a vault in Switzerland and, you know, we are trading them and this whatever platform, you know, very similar to how sneakers are being traded in StockX, um, but in a more seamless and decentralized fashion. So I think this kind of things like people being more aware of these assets, obviously, you know, these beautiful products, you know, tend to be expensive and they also tend to increase in value over time. So I think uh, through the digital identities, we will have the ability to start transacting with them in a more seamless manner. So we will see more of like people trading their objects like assets that you can trade. 
but I think, you know, it should be invisible. And that's our goal as well, you know, is to make the technology completely disappear. Um, you know, we don't talk about aqueducts. We don't talk about, you know, the engines of our cars so often, you know, we don't talk about TCPIP anymore. You know, these things tend to disappear once they're like truly adopted and really benefiting all of us. So I think um, that should be the goal that, you know, nobody, you don't see it, it's invisible, but you're just, your life is so much better, I guess. If I could just add as well from a kind of customer interaction perspective, I think one thing that's really useful to, to realize is that blockchain creates this unique digital identity but we're, we live in a physical real world. And so the real, one of the really important parts is how you connect the unique digital identity with a unique physical identity. And for that, you, you look beyond blockchain. So I know that there was one question asking about IoT. And so for example, NFC chips, which is the same type of technology that you have in your phone for Apple Pay that allows you to touch, tap your phone and do contactless payments. You can use those same chips to create the unique physical identity of the item that you attach to the digital identity and therefore enabling consumers to interact with the blockchain. You need this physical interaction and that comes with their phone tapping on say the garment in order to gain access to this rich history of information about the items and so that is something that is really important to consider is how you make sure that this immutable record that's digitally stored on blockchain how that is replicated into the real world so much and thank you sorry for for um your your vision on the on the question um, I am very curious also to hear about um, how blockchain is helping second-hand fashion market. Uh, um, Stephanie, if you could tell us the story, um, that would be great. Thank you. Oh. Mm -hmm. Stephanie? I think you're on mute, Stephanie. <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> so I was saying um, second-hand indeed is a great, I would say, um context or or use case for for blockchain because as was mentioned by a few panelists before me uh, the biggest problem or one of the biggest problem is the education around blockchain um and then the the market or the consumer adoption uh around the blockchain whereas here in this case um the use case is quite simple and uh, understandable by by any customer right because um, first of all, they get a direct reward out of uh, using uh, certificates or traceability around their items. Um, the biggest issue, as said, you know, around secondhand is, uh, or one of them, is the, the counterfeit. And counterfeit um, hinders a lot, uh, you know, the, can hinder the, the growth of the resale market, can hinder purchases, and, um, and can be one of the biggest barriers. Um, in the case where we, we can trace back the products and really guarantee the authenticity of the items, this increases as well uh, the trust and so the value around pieces. So you as a user and individual and customer, um, you know that when you'll be at a moment where you want to resell your item or if you're already at that moment where you're reselling, being able to 
prove the authenticity of the item is going to enable you to capture a higher value out of your items that then if you're not. Um, so what, I, what, what, what we can see is that with blockchain and the adoption of it and with um, you know, this, um, this way of being able to certify certain products and trace back uh, the origin of these items, um, we will be able to create a new standard of secondhand items. And with those items that can be traced back, um, you know, we'll, we'll be able to differentiate, I would say, the ones um, that are purchased from, you know, unofficial retailers or brands um, uh, from which we, we cannot know the provenance of the items versus uh, the items that have that smart certificate uh, that have been emitted by the official brand or retailer. Um, so I think that's, that's uh, for the, at least from a customer point of view, um, that's a big win, I would say, for, for blockchain. And that's a way, I would say, for, for the education of, of, uh, of users. Um, the other thing that we, we touched upon previously is um, the question was, uh, which providers or how do, do fashion brands choose providers. Um, and I think one of the answers was not so much around, um, you know, the question was not so much around how, how do they choose which provider it's how do they choose which use case to start with, right? Um, of course, certain brands have more urgencies to apply blockchain to their supply chain than others. Uh, but clearly, if you, if you compare the use case of secondhand or the use case of bringing transparency and visibility your, to your sup supply chain, we're talking about two different levels of complexity, right? Um, bringing in you know, certificates around your items that will be emitted at each cell, a sale doesn't lock you as a brand or retailer into one technology or another. Uh, whereas if you start applying blockchain uh, in your supply chain with um, and it affects, you know, different suppliers that you have in the supply chain, uh, that it disrupts the way that you usually um, do your business, your traditional business, or, um, you know, your, your operations. Uh, this is a risk. This is an investment. Um, and so, you know, that use case, I, I can understand that brands uh, have more difficulty to have a set position around which provider they want to use because they, they, they really don't know yet, um, you know, how that's going to affect and, and it has uh, an involvement or consequences that are much higher than, um, you know, a solution like Reflant that would just emit a certain type of certificates around each item that is resold. Thank you so much. Um, uh, now I will move on to the last uh, part of the panel. Uh, so the challenges and future implications. And um, I will ask Jules to comment on what, uh, in your opinion, stops blockchain from penetrating fashion or luxury industry further. Okay. Uh, so um, I don't. I don't actually think uh, um, that um, that blockchain is 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 not penetrating the, f the fashion industry. Actually, it's, a, it's maybe a slow process, but uh, it's definitely growing. And, um, and for example, if, if we take, for example, the IP protection uh, use case, uh, we've been 
either directly or indirectly uh, via your, our clients, uh, protecting uh, uh, brands for two years now. And we have maybe uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of, of creation already protected in Bitcoin with, with, with our technology. So, and it's, it's been years from now and uh, it's growing. So um, actually it's maybe, uh, it's just a slow, process and uh, with uh, maturity uh, every every company will, will finally come to it so so it's a fantastic tool so 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 i don't i don't think it it will be stopping uh, any 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 anyone so um so maybe what stops blockchain uh uh, diffusing in the in the industry is uh, interoperability. So uh, you have many uh, um, many projects uh, and they lack uh, interoperability, and uh, and each company want to to make its its own standard or its own its own way of of of, of using the blockchain. So so maybe at some point we will need. Uh, uh, to use a, a global protocol not owned by anyone. It's uh, based on the share good, a, sh a common, a common good. Uh, and uh, maybe at this point, uh, there will be no, uh, you know, uh, reason at all not to embrace it because it became it becoming a, a standard. So um, just like the internet in the beginning, uh, you had some. Uh, uh, several internets. Uh, you have the CompuServe, you had the uh, AOL, and uh, and you had you had the, the the internet protocol which was open and permissionless. So uh, I think uh, we the the whole industry maybe need to uh, work on uh, interoperability, and then uh, we will so we will see that. Uh, basic use case in the in the beginning like uh, certificates for example uh, can uh, can be generalized uh, uh, on the, the whole industry but i, I don't think uh, uh, blockchain is going anywhere it's, it's just a, a slow process and maturity is coming uh, months after months years after years so yeah that's a, my point on on this question i, I would like to add I would like to add something, Julia, if I can. I would like to really echo what Jill just said. I mean, I 100% agree to every point you addressed. For example, this is one of the topics that we think is super important. And I think Timothy also mentioned this about around interoperability. That that's what truly the power of the blockchain really relies and lies on is in creating interoperability between different parties. Um, and that interoperability can be achieved through standardization, right? Um, writing information in the blockchain is fairly easy. It's not super complicated. Um, but, you know, we just don't want to start just writing, in, um, you know, information into the blockchain. We want to make sure that what we are registering in there has certain level of, of, of interoperability within different parties. So we have seen that in the past with ERC-20 and ERC-721, how blockchain standards, which at the end, you know, is just how you will structure code, really can power whole economies, right? Um, this is an effort where we put, and we 100% agree, it needs to be open, right? It cannot be a proprietary. We already learned from the internet, right? TCPIP got established because it was the best and open standard. 
right? So we, we see that 100% the same way. You know, we do have um, a round table that we host in Berlin, also online that we invite, you know, we have a couple of business partners to join, you know, we invite pretty much anyone to join that standardization effort um, because our goal is definitely to make a proposal in that end. Obviously, I think the more the merrier, many proposals to come out and at the end, as Gil rightfully so said, you know, we are at the beginning, the technology is in its infancy. So we will have a lot of like cycles of evolution and cycles of change. And, you know, time will tell which protocols will establish themselves. At the end of the day, any efforts made towards adopting blockchain in an enterprise level is a good effort, right? And you are just basically making sure that your business stay current in the future and that you have a business in the future in any case. Um, so even though, you know, maybe what one is doing now might not be the thing that you will be doing in 10 years, it is part of that learning curve that is definitely super valuable to take upon. But standardization is key. That's our goal. You know, we are focusing in three tiers of standardization. One is the digital certificates that is paramount. The second one is digital, excuse me, universal profile, universal pro public profiles. So basically your user profile that is public, you know, know where you store your sensitive data, but when you store pretty much the same information we put in our public social media profiles. And obviously it's one part that we call it cultural currencies. There is a part of tokenizing more like intangible assets, right? Tokenizing a community, tokenizing a fellowship, tokenizing likes, things like that, right? That don't fall within the DeFi category, but it's also things that are valuable and can be tokenized. So that's kind of like the three parts that we are focusing. And, you know, this is kind of like totally our jam deals. Like we believe in standardization. That's where we put our focus. And I think that's what truly the future of blockchain adoption will be is exactly in that part. May I offer a little bit of the brand's perspective? Thank uh, you so much. That was, that was exactly what yeah. I wanted to do. Thank um, you very much. Given the, the audience, uh, you guys studied a lot in your MBA classes about you know, the different economic models, strategy, macro environment. Uh, maybe I can just answer this question relating to those business parameters. I see four. Uh, major barriers of adoption. Uh, the first one is on macroeconomic uh, environment, environment. Retail or luxury as an industry has gone through really rapid transformation uh, in the past few years. Many brands really struggled uh, to find the right balance between, you know, the engagement between digital versus the brick and mortar uh, you know, engagement in the boutiques, in different channels. Um, and the fast pace of technological and the evolution and disruption caused by these technologies such as AI and, and blockchain doesn't help at all. Uh, many are still catching up to understand what they can do, how they can use this and benefit from the technology. And then COVID came by, which hits you know, across the board. Um, and that makes it even harder. The priorities of the brands will not necessarily be looking at blockchain as a solution. It's a lot about what, what's surviving the immediate environment, making sense of it. So that's one. And I would uh, argue that, and there was a one question that, that it's very smart in the way that it's asked, it's about people who make decisions beyond innovation departments. Uh, 
even I can share uh, from my own experience, uh, you know, before I, I work at Kate, I've been consulting a lot with different brands. Um, there are many, these are very technical things, you know, and uh, we have many technology, you know, technical people on the panel. Uh, you would uh, agree with me when you go and pitch it to somebody who is a business executive, they don't know necessarily what you're talking about. Uh, blockchain is still full of jargon in its sort of uh, the way that it's being explained and how it makes sense for the commercial people. Uh, I think it really requires a lot of education. Uh, it's more important that we focus on the pragmatic. So my advice is on, on overcoming this is really as one of the panelists previously suggested, really define the pain point. What is that use case? You know, and then you can talk very pragmatically on that and that would help your audience, the business decision maker to, to understand what are the challenges and how can blockchain actually helps and not get lost in the jargon of what is a consensus mechanism and what which type of platform, a smart contract and the token. That would lose a lot of audience unless you are a uh, super, you know, savvy, tech-savvy executive, which unfortunately in, in the world, there are not that many, unless you're in the tech sector. Um, and then the third one, uh, it's on the economics. Uh, the cost of adoption uh, for small and medium retailers and brands, uh, in fashion, you have a wide spectrum of brands from very small startup brands, niche brands to very established fast fashion or luxury. Um, all of these um, are, uh, you know, a different level of uh, resource access to resources. So uh, if the, the cost of adoption is high, it will really, uh, even though they want to do blockchain, but it's too expensive. There is the onboarding cost integration into your ERP, and then, you know, the transaction cost for each, and then you pay the providers, you know. So there's all that also. Uh, it's a real, um, very realistic uh, barrier. And mind you also that to, to blockchain, it's only a good tool when you link the physical and the digital. So you're not only paying for the blockchain, you're also paying for the IoT, you know, for the RFID. Uh, in the diamond traceability use case, we, we have to use laser to engrave into the diamond this, this, the unique identifier. All of that is expensive. Uh, so, and then the last one, I would talk, go back to the point about the customer. I think it's the UX. Um, the, there are some uh, blockchain uh, applications that uh, the user experience is really bad. It's very tech, it's very gimmicky, it's very technical uh, that uh, you can't expect the everyday, you know, the average customer uh, to understand all that cryptography or, you know, how do I verify my digital certificate on the, on the blockchain? Not all people, especially in fashion or in, 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 in luxury, our customers are not all that savvy uh, in this technology. So improving that UX would also be important for adoption. And maybe the answer is to make the blockchain part less obvious um, but make it a smooth, integrate that into the brand's uh, surfaces and product offering 
in the way they engage with the customer to make it very seamless. That's uh, all I have. And if I may, I would add one last thing. Uh, and uh, I think one, uh, one of the risks also of the, 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 this technology and one of the fear of uh, our um, top management is also the, the second-hand market. Because uh, uh, if it, uh, the, the, the blockchain allows us to, to, to clean uh, the second-hand market, it could be... Uh, of, um, a risk for the first-hand market, and uh, and I think it could be an issue, and uh, and maybe a, a big issue for 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 the luxury brand to to allows the, the the blockchain technology to be uh, um, accessible for each product. That's my opinion. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, my next question would be for Vanessa. Um, and it is about, uh, so we talked about uh, implementation of blockchain within luxury and uh, within basically luxury brands. Um, I was curious to hear your take on how it can help fast fashion as well, if at all. Yeah, so we see um, some of the uh, retail. So for me, there's really two categories, sort of the luxury um, goods and the retail, and, and you can include fast fashion in it. Um, we see some technologies that allow you to identify um, uh, items that are not you know, high price, uh, whether it's by pictures, surface pictures, et cetera. So you're, you're able to identify a good um, and link it to the blockchain regardless of how much it costs, right? So you're able to do that. And uh, for them, uh, it's more important on the gray market side really than the counterfeit. I think for the luxury goods, the, the counterfeit is, is really prominent. But um, when you have a large uh, distribution network and you have resellers who are not respecting their distribution rights, um, that is an issue for uh, retailers, et cetera. In terms of fast, fast, uh, fast fashion, I want to link it back also to um, sustainability. So, you know, if people wear things three times and then throw them away, um, that's a lot of uh, things that are getting thrown into the environment. And so you could think of, ways to incentivize uh, people into recycling or sending back goods to um, the original retailer or having you know, circular economy incentives uh, for people to actually not waste um, those items. And I think that that is something that a lot of, I see a lot of retailers uh, looking into. Um, I think that could be a very interesting prop, uh, proposition. Uh, that would align well with demand. Um, and uh, on the blockchain side, you could incentivize them through uh, loyalty point mechanisms and trace um, also carbon footprint. So you could imagine you have all the information about the origin of the goods, how it's manufactured, uh, what carbon footprint was uh, created to create that good. And by recycling it, you actually are able to 
uh, net the carbon footprint um, excess. So those are, are things that people are thinking about for the fast fashion. Um, and also I would say into the workers' rights. Um, we have been working with uh, Levi's and Harvard um, to look at something called um, the employee surveys that they do um, because you know there are some abuses in some of uh, the manufacturing uh, facilities or the the, the workers uh, uh, conditions um, you know may not be ideal and so there's feedback loops that are uh, have been created and there's a standard sort of survey that has been done but uh, people were worried that the information was not maintained confidential. So blockchain was one of the solutions by which uh, you could guarantee that the answers uh, from the local workers were sent directly to the corporation, bypassing any potential uh, layer of management, which could be at the origin of the abuse and not highlighting uh, Levi's uh, in that category, but uh, they wanted to test um, the concept. So I think in terms of fast fashion, sustainability and workers' rights are top of mind. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, my next question is for Sarah, and um, I'm curious to hear your opinion on how do you see the future market structure? Would it be mono uh, monopoly, mono oligopoly, or something, something in between? Um, yeah, thanks very much. I guess in that sense, you're referring to the, like, uh, kind of back to what I said, there's different different players in the market. So it kind of refers, to, depends who exactly you're referring to. But I think this um, this comes back to the interoperability point that we've been touching on quite a lot uh, at different points of how the future of blockchain has the potential to enable different blockchain providers and different blockchains to be able to interact with each other and therefore it doesn't necessitate that there are only one or two winners if you like in this market um, but I think kind of more generally I think in terms of how we how we see the market structure I think what one of the big areas that blockchain is moving us towards is the, the level of transparency that's created across supply chains between businesses, but also between businesses and consumers or brands and consumers. And I think this is a trend that we're seeing growing more and more. And with sustainability, I think this is, this is very much closely related. And so it is these first movers that we have on the call today who are beginning to lead the way in enabling that. And I think it will it will pave the way for other brands as it becomes more adopted and more expected by consumers other brands to adopt it and i think going back to the point around the luxury versus retail space i think like uh, as timothy was saying this is that the cost of adopting the technology is of course of key importance to to the decision as to what when to adopt it and whether to adopt it and how to adopt it. And I think that's something that we're going to see shifting a lot as time goes on and it will become much more affordable. So at the moment, it perhaps makes most sense for luxury brands to adopt, but over time, 
it will it will make much more sense and be much more expected that it is the lower end brands that adopt it as well. Um, thank you, thank you very much. Um, my follow-up question would be also on sustainability. We, we sorry, scalability. We talked about inter interoperability a lot. Um, however, there is one more limiting factor, which is scalability. And uh, if uh, I guess, Jules, if you could comment on on how scalable blockchain is for 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 luxury fashion. Okay, so the question was about scalability. Um, yeah, so scalability is uh, usually mentioned as one of the li limiting factors. Okay, so um, uh, first of all, uh, blockchain is, is, is uh, autonomous, uh, uh, decentralized uh, consensus. And to make this, it's, it's really hard because you need many nodes uh, to maintain the ledger. So... Uh, Almost by definition, a blockchain uh, does not scale actually, um, because uh, if you if you put everything in the blockchain, if you use it as a database, for example, you will end with uh, terabytes of, of data, and uh, and uh, the number of nodes will decrease with time. Um, if you take Bitcoin, for example, Bitcoin is very limited uh, because each block uh, can only contain uh, one megabyte, actually more, but uh, uh, in theory, one megabyte, um, because it needs to maintain decentralization and the fact that many, many people uh, maintain the nodes. It increases security, it increases the ability to, to, to fight uh, censorship. So it's, it's very important. So how I see, uh, obviously you have other type of blockchains like private blockchain or consortium blockchain, with with uh, um, many uh, uh, other models so uh, for example private blockchain is is inherently more scalable because you don't need the replication of the nodes but uh, you lose uh, the, the you know the decentralization because uh, you have uh, you have only one one uh, company or institution in charge so my opinion is that by definition the blockchain layer uh, uh, actually does not scale at all but it, it does not mean that you don't have any solution to for that so uh, my view is that you can use it, particularly if you use public blockchain you can use it as a root of trust and uh, and build layers on top of it to bring for example scalability uh, if you take our case, for example, our, 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 our job is to make proofs, proof of signature, proof of existence in Bitcoin. But to, to make that, we don't make a, a transaction for each proof we need to, 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 to make, actually. We only uh, make four transactions a day. And with four transactions a day and some technology, we scale on top of it and we can make millions of proofs out of four trans transactions. So it, it, uh, it means that this particular uh, technical layer, it's already scaling. So we can already handle uh, a thousand of, of proof per second and per IP uh, if you, you use our API. So you need layers on top of a root of trust, which is the most secure, the most decentralized and the most uh, 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 resistant to censorship as possible, 
that's why we, we are based on Bitcoin. And then you can, with uh, technology, with engineering, solve different problems. And scalability is one problem. So we actually solved the proof creation scalability problem. Some other people are working, for example, in the Lightning Network on solving the, the payment and the value uh, transfer uh, scalability problems also with another layer on top of, 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 of Bitcoin. And, uh, and many other protocols implement other solutions to, to solve uh, technical scalability. But in the end, you, it's, it's, um, it's, um, it's trade-offs. You need some trade-off. Uh, the goal is to, is to minimize trust. Uh, real trustlessness is not really, uh, it's not really a thing. But we need to minimize uh, uh, to the maximum the trust needed to, uh, in, in, into third parties to achieve what we need, either uh, certification, either electronic signature, or smart contracts and everything. But inherently, uh, uh, blockchain are very difficult to scale because you need decentralization and because you need uh, as much people as possible maintaining the autonomous uh, consensus. So, so, so people think that, uh, you know, limitation of, of, of public blockchain uh, um, uh, are, are really uh, uh, things that uh, make things impossible to use them uh, for companies. But there's actually many solutions and uh, there's uh, more and more engineering and there are already solutions. So I think in the end, uh, uh, the use of public blockchain, it's, it's a solution for interoperability and, uh, and there is solution and, uh, and, uh, and maybe uh, in the future, uh, there will be many, many layers on top of uh, some root of trust and like the internet, you have IP, you have TCP, you have uh, HTTP, you have SMTP, and then you have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. So uh, I have a very engineer uh, vision of, of the technological aspect, and I, and I need uh, and I and I think uh, layers is is a way to go uh, to address uh, many uh, technical issues we have with uh, blockchain. So it's all about trade-offs and engineering in my mind. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jill. Uh, so we're at 1.30. Um, I don't want to steal any more of your um, Friday time. Does anyone have any closing comments um, on the discussion that we had just now? Um, sure, I, I do. I just want to say, you know, uh, especially for the students, this is a very exciting space. Um, not only just blockchain, but digital transformation. Uh, in the space, you have Timothy and, and Anne who are at the forefront of this in their uh, companies. Um, the, the fashion industry has changed so much over the past year based on consumer um, behavior, but also what technology allows the companies to do. And uh, driving that agenda in your own group or companies um, is a hard thing to do. Uh, we see that um, you do need, um, you know, a vision and you do need, uh, you're going to have to 
have buy-in from executives within the company who understand it and see where the opportunity is. So it's, it's more about um, translating for them what the opportunity is rather than um, some just technology gig that you know, is a nice to have. Um, what my perception, um, at least you know, in the past two years of, of the fashion industry is, it usually sees technology more as a threat than, as, as an, than an opportunity. So you really need to change that conversation and see and link the business opportunity to the advance of technology. So whether it's blockchain, whether it's AI, IoT, et cetera, um, the fashion industry is a very competitive world. Um, we see that after COVID, the business model will change again. Um, a lot of the stores are closing their physical presence. They see that it's no longer needed and you'll have to think creatively about how to engage and compete for customers. Uh, for your brand, uh, because that is going to be the future. The the processes around you know delivering at home and having immediate access to everything is going is only going to increase. And so the retailers and the fashion industry needs to um, really uh, take advantage of that. I, I would uh, agree with that, and I wanted to expand and add on to Vanessa's uh, uh, eloquent comment. Um, actually, I don't see my job as, as an innovation director. I don't see my job as uh, blockchain or not blockchain or what is the tech. Uh, technology is a tool. So is blockchain. It's not a magic wand. You still uh, need to be able to, and especially for our students' audience, you still need to be able to understand how value is created in the organization, in the brand. And in that process, uh, I see my job more as creating uh, a culture, creating a culture of uh, agility, of innovation, that people think of solutions in a, in a outside of a box way and not be threatened uh, by just, you know, words that they don't understand. And as future leaders and business executives, uh, I think part of the job that you would need to learn and the challenge that you would face is that communication. It's about communicating, um, you know, making sense of what's happening in the world and communicating in a way that your, comp your company, your brand, uh, people in that culture can understand and that would not be threatened by it and can keep an open mind. Uh, that is the culture that we, uh, you know, my, at my organization, we, we work a lot on that. And uh, we might not communicate a lot about the innovations, uh, but we are using that innovations to create value in a way that links to business results. So um, I think the topic might be blockchain, but that skill sets that making sense of what's happening and being and communicating and influencing uh, internal culture. It's a really key set that um, I, I, I think, I feel that uh, you might have already heard some of that in your MBA courses, but I cannot emphasize enough how important that is. Vanessa, thank you. Thank you so much for, for your um, final comments and uh, 
Dear panelists, thank you very much for your time. So today we talked about what blockchain really is and uh, how does it create value for luxury brands? What are the challenges and future implications for both sides, the consumers and providers? Um, it has been an absolute, an absolute pleasure and honor to hear from front runners again from both sides. And uh, I wish everyone a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Thank you so having. much. Thank you, Thank you Julia. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Yeah, and record it. Yeah, and record it.